Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining. My guest today is Eric Nelson. He is the owner of Wild Oak Capital and the host of the Real Estate Mindset Podcast. He's a father of two boys and strives to be a solid husband. Reading his bio here, Eric and his team have purchased over 600 units in 18 months. Eric focuses on mindset and going for your why. So we had a good conversation about his career and moving into entrepreneurship, moving into investing, right? So um, started out as an engineer, got into investing the way a lot of us do via buying some single family homes, then moving up to a six unit and talking about that, which is a lot of parallels with my story. My first multifamily was a six unit and we both agreed we wouldn't do it again, but we both agreed that we wouldn't trade that experience either. And, and I look back and it was a very instrumental for me to go through and run every aspect of that six unit. And same thing, same thing with there. And then on to syndicating and, and networking, meeting people, growing the team. So great story, great success story of a guy that has gone through that transition and now ex experienced an incredible amount of, of freedom. After we got off the show, he, he, he mentioned that him and his family were going out to Mexico for a month. And so the ability to kind of do stuff like that is really why a lot of us pursue entrepreneurship. So I enjoyed connecting with Eric, enjoyed his whole journey and really diving into the, to the story, the ups and downs. That's why I do the podcast just to clip, you know, connect with other like-minded people that have gone through and actually done it. And Eric's one of those guys. If you're enjoying the DJE podcast, a five-star review on iTunes helps with the reach of the show. Thank you. We have a message from our sponsors and then get into the show with Eric. Thanks. This episode is brought to you by DJE Texas Management Group, a San Antonio, Texas-based real estate investment firm with a track record of transacting on several hundred million dollars of multifamily land and industrial deals throughout Texas. DJE's been in business for over a decade and is approaching 100 team members in San Antonio. To learn more about DJE, visit djetexas.com or the link in the show notes of this episode. This episode's also brought to you by apartmenteducators.com, a complete ecosystem for professionals to learn how to find, finance, and operate large multifamily properties for profit. You can get started with a free mini course and learn more at apartmenteducators.com or visit the link in the notes. Eric, hey, welcome to the show. How are you? Devin, so good, man. Thanks for having me. I was just saying offline, this is a, this is my honor. Um, thanks, for, thanks for taking the time to have me on. Oh, man. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we could uh, find a time to connect here. Albeit virtually, you're in Durango, Colorado. I'm in San Antonio, Texas, but we have a lot of um, a lot of similar interests, which we'll which we'll get into. Um, before we get kind of jump into all the the real estate shop talk stuff, for folks that haven't connected with you or your company, you know, I always love to know what what's what's been kind of your path into this real estate entrepreneur uh, game that we're both in. Yeah, I mean, I love this question because it's it's like how do you kind of squeeze your semi-career into a small, small timeline. Yeah. But I, I actually studied uh, engineering. So I, I graduated with an engineering degree. And, you know, I think a lot of us can relate. We had this, I had like a pretty standard sort of 
middle-class upbringing. My parents were awesome, you know, pretty like not boring. Right. But it was kind of like the, Hey, go to college, get a, get a job, like be good. <laughs> like that was kind of like my parents, like, which they did a great job. I mean, I love my parents. Right. Yep. But there was not really a lot. Of, I mean, dad was actually an entrepreneur, but never really talked about it much, honestly. <laughs> like, and he, he's kind of a mellow dude anyway. So it's not like that's his, his thing, but like, there was a lot of entrepreneurial like talk around the house. I mean, my mom was sort of the same. She had like these t-shirt shops and stuff. Like both my parents had that in them, but it was still the like American dream kind of go get a job, you know? Um, so that's what I did. Went to college, studied engineering and got out of school. And I got this engineering job. What's interesting is I graduated college. I'm going to date myself here in 2009. And that was a pretty tough time to find a job, right? So when I got a job, I was like, yes, Right, I got, got a job. I'm like one yeah. of the few people in my graduating class to land a job. And then I was like, damn, this is boring. Like, this is pretty tough. <laughs> what, was that, what was that first job out of school? It was actually a water engineering job. So like, yeah. if you know anything about water rights, holy cow, it is some, some boring, boring stuff. What's interesting too is like, <laughs> that's what I was studying in college because those are my favorite classes. Like all the yeah. water stuff, you know, sometimes things just resonate. So I like did well and I enjoyed it. I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. So when I landed the job. I was like, sweet. Then I get into it. And it's honestly more like, like law. Like it's a lot of like lawyer type stuff where you have to testify about water rights and the calculations are super easy. I mean, it's basically like, okay, how much land do you have? Here's how many acre feet you have. And now let's go to court and argue about it for three years. You know, like right, it was right. pretty miserable, honestly. So I wanted something totally different. So uh, my brothers are in events. And so I was asking them like, Hey man, how, how can I get involved? And it, oddly enough, like the one friend of a friend of my brothers needed an engineer for, for action sports. And I was like, done. So we moved to Breckenridge and I was traveling around like engineering, like action sports, um, scaffolding structures, which cool. was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Really cool lifestyle before we had kids. Yeah. I got to like do all the X games, all the do tours, all the Red Bull. That's event. awesome. So you're like going out a couple of weeks in advance and mapping out the the venue and every, and everything like that and traveling totally. around the country. Yeah, travel around, basically go out there with chalk lines and kind of map it all out. Then I would get back to the office and draw all these scaffolding structures because they're all temporary, right? Like all, all these jumps yeah. are built out of scaffolding. So you just like it's basically like connects, you know, like the yeah, little sure. kids toys. Yeah. And so you have all these like certain pieces and parts, you put it all together and it's like 3d sort of drawing, which is awesome. And then I get to go there and watch it be built. And then if, if I wanted to, I could hang around for the event and yeah. be like in the VIP. I was like, this is freaking sweet. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm so, amazed by those structures. You know, I, um, I play golf at TPC in San Antonio. They do Valero Texas open every year. And so I watch that scaffolding come together every, I guess before April. And it's like, you know, you get this giant concrete blocks, Weighing yep. them down and the Valero, like the main VIP thing. It, I mean, it's damn near like a permanent structure. I mean, AC multi-story, there's hundreds of people and it's super impressive. And then it's gone. That's crazy. Oh, totally. That's the greatest. Like, so a structure like that could be built in two days. Yeah. Um, right. It's insane. So yeah, we're like, we want to do 24 hour shifts where you're, you got three crews. And so when I was there, it was like very little sleep. You're just hanging out with your buddies. There's nowhere else to be. So it was super fun. Um, and then once my family and I, once my wife and I were like, okay, we kind of want to settle down. We had to like shift gears a little. So ended up down in Durango um, working for another engineer. Luckily, it was a little more exciting for me. It was more like civil and structural stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, this is where kind of the story takes a twist. We're like, okay, well, let's take some time off and travel before we have kids. Yep. So we started researching. So we're like, you know what? Let's drive from here to the bottom of South America. It's like this. Wow. Let's do that. <laughs> like, that's kind of how it came about. Did you guys just like spin a globe and put your finger down? Or was there like a, a model you were following? That's a pretty big trek, right? Pretty big trek. Yeah. 30,000 miles. It took us a year. So it was like a big decision. Wild, so I will man. say like, I spoke decent Spanish. That was part of it. You know, okay. Okay. other part of it was like, okay, there's a lot of, you know, different cultures and different styles. You know, they're all Latin cultures, but it's like, a lot of different type of food, a lot of different type of like terrain, lots of beach and stuff. And of course, towards sure. the mountains, lots of like beautiful mountain terrain and stuff towards obviously Patagonia area. Right. So that was like, okay, we're going to see a little bit of everything. We can kind of, we can pretty well speak the language and it's just this crazy adventure. So we're like, let's freaking go for it. So after some um, research, of course, we bought this like 1982 Toyota truck that had like a camper. It was awesome. Like it was the perfect vehicle for what we needed. It was underpowered and like a four banger, like slide into the radar. Yeah. Anyway, so we did that trip and it was amazing. I and mean, that's a whole story in itself. Came back here and that's when I was like, okay. Basically, my old boss was like, I don't have a spot for you. I'm sorry. You know, and I, was, I told him like he he knew you left for a year, months. right? Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, this is what I get. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So actually on the trip, a few friends of mine were calling me. Like, hey, can you draw this house for me? Hey, can you okay. do the septic design for me? Whatever. And I was like, man, I'm on this trip. And I was, I was kind of like, actually, yeah. Like, why not? You know? So I kind of started this like little LLC on the road. I remember opening a bank account in like Guatemala. It was kind of a kind of a pain because they were like, well, can you come in and sign papers? <laughs> you know, yeah. that type of thing. So that was like the start of my journey was just because I was like, sure, I can do some work while I'm while I'm traveling. And then um we got back and it was just full go. Like I was like, okay, I'm going to start my own company. And that kind of gave me the itch a little bit. Then, then what I will say is doing engineering is fine, right? You're going to earn a fine living. Sure. But what I soon realized, and this is the key to my story is, okay, how long am I going to have to do this to save it for retirement? Yeah. I was like, oh man, I'm going to have to do this for 40 years. So then we started looking at real estate and I'll speed up the story here, but essentially same story as a lot of people bought a single family, bought another single family. We were out of money. So I started asking all the local people. I'd, I'd walk my son around like every day because he's a baby at this time. Walk him around every for rent sign, every for sale sign, I would just call. I'd be like, hey, will you sell this? And uh, will you owner finance it? It was basically the two questions I asked. Yeah. So we got a sixplex that way. This is a cool story, actually. Um, bought a sixplex for a million bucks from an older owner. And okay. I was like, I was like, it's kind of a long story, but essentially I created a relationship with him, right? I saw him out in front of his house selling or putting out a for rent sign. So I just walked up to him and I was like, hey, beautiful property. You ever thought about selling? And he's like, yeah, but I'd need a lot of money for it. And I was like, okay, well, what's a lot of money to, you know, kind of started that conversation and I didn't get into money. He was, you know, it took a couple of weeks for me calling him back. I wanted to give him like some period of time to like adjust to the offer. Yeah. But He's, I was like, okay, that's cool. like his, his residence or this is the sixplex he's in front of sixplex he's in front of. So it turns out that he inherited it from his mom. Okay. Okay. So he had this sixplex that he was like kind of tired of managing. He'd had it for sure. a long time. And so here, I'll just, I'll just tell a story if you're fine with it. hundred percent, man. Um, yeah. Let's cool. So yeah, kind of like, and I love the, like the, the kind of takes me back a little bit. I'm so divorced from like this, the personal interaction of these first deals. It's been years. So 
I did same kind of stuff, right? Like, you know, walking up to people and shaking hands and haven't done that in so long. It's kind of like, uh, I, I love hearing about this stuff, especially if this is like the beginning of kind of how you, how you totally. got this is like, meals, this is know? like my Genesis moment, honestly, like, yeah. yep. So <clears throat> cool. Yeah. If, if you're cool, I'll just tell a story. Absolutely. So basically I walked up and I, I saw this guy, he was putting this for rent sign in. And what's funny is it was like this faded old same or for rent sign. And so after talking to him more, I realized he'd used that same sign for like 10 years. Like he'd never changed rent. He never advertised. Nice. Durango, like there's a shortage of housing. So renting a place is super easy. So anyway, we just got to talking and I was like, beautiful place, man. You know, I'm here with my son, just walk in. Would you be interested to sell? And he's like, yeah, you know, I might, let me kind of talk to my wife. So I gave him a few days and I called him back and I was like, Hey, if you remember me, we met at your property. And between that time and my call, I'd done some research. So that's how I knew he inherited it, right? And he didn't own any, own any money on it. So debt-free inheritance on a pretty sweet property in Durango. And he's like, yeah, I think we would, but we would need like a million dollars. And for him, he thought that would just be like, deal done. Like no one's going to pay a million bucks, right? Go away number, right? Yeah. And I was like, back in my head, like, you know, that's actually not a bad price for this town. So I said, okay, um, let me talk to my wife and I'll get back to you. And I was kind of like giddy, like, holy cow, we might actually get a decent deal here. So give him a couple of days and I call him back. And I was like, okay, I think we can pay a million, but here's the problem. We don't have enough cash for a true down payment. Would you own or finance this on a low down payment thing? And he's like, what does that mean? I was like, okay, well, you know, you're kind of active to the bank and kind of give him the spiel. He's like, well, how low are we talking? I was like, well, we have about 30,000 bucks we can put down. So 3% down on this million dollar property. Now I'm not telling the audience that that's what you want to go and do. Yeah. But what I will say is I was buying right. Like it was worth more yeah. like 1.2, something like that. So I felt comfortable with that kind of squeeze. Now, and I also want to say, this is a huge leap for me at the time. Like we sure. had a couple properties, but I was by no means any kind of like, the the knowledge I had just was limited, right? So I started calling on my, Mentors. So you're like, I want to, I want to understand you're like two rental houses in at this point, And then you yep. shake the guy's hand on a million dollar property and, and start down that path. What yeah. was your, you know, what was your inspiration? I guess, was it podcast? Did you, did you know somebody that was doing it, you know, or were you just kind of saying, Hey, I get the economics of these houses. This is kind of the next natural step. Like you know, where were you getting kind of your, your inspiration or guidance from, or were you just don't following numbers on stuff that seem to make sense. No, I mean, I love the question. So I will say, let me back up a hair. The first one we bought, the first rental property we bought, I remember very vividly the purchase price was 307. I can still remember, which is a, you know, that house now is worth 700 grand. So like, I wish I, I wish I would have kept it. We ended up selling it along the way, but that's, that's how real estate goes. Right. Yep. Everyone. But anyway, um, you, I think you always say, I wish I would have held every single one I ever owned, but you, you kind of have to sell sometimes, but yeah. So I remember thinking that very first one, I'm like, okay, well, the mortgage is around 1700 bucks and the rent 1700 bucks. That was seriously the math I did. I was like, oh, well, it'll kind of cover itself. Let's buy it. Like I didn't know the business at all on our first one. Yeah. Then after we start getting into it, I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, like we could, we, I need to do a little bit better math. And then a friend of mine tipped me off to bigger, bigger pockets, you know? So that was kind of the other change was like, oh, so there's a business side to this rather than just buy and collect rent. Right. There's other buy, people doing this and there's a kind of a process and yeah, best practices. 
you nailed it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, now I know how to do the math. I know how to actually like think of this as a business and not just like being a, a landlord of one or two tenants. So by that time I had been fairly educated and to answer your question, I think bigger pockets was kind of a key, right? Like, you know, for better or worse, that network is super, super solid. And at that time, the podcast was talking about that stuff. Like Brandon was still into like single families and small multis. So it was really well directed towards what I wanted to do. Now, obviously he's moved on to syndications, but at the time it was perfect for what I was doing. Yep. That was probably a huge help for me. Um, so like if anyone's listening and they want to do single family stuff, I would say go back to like episodes 200 to 300 in there yep. and listen to that stuff. Super helpful. Ton of awesome content. No doubt. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So then, so back to the sixplex thing, I was kind of like, can we put 3% down? And he's like, sure. Like he, he even bat an eye. It was like, yeah, man, I know where you live. <laughs> like <laughs> you live three blocks from this house because I kind of pitched it like, okay, first of all, you don't have to pay what would look to be a large number in capital gains, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. I was going to ask if you pitched them on, you know, yeah. do with a lump sum of cash besides pay a bunch of taxes and cash flows. Yeah. Sometimes better for somebody. And I don't know this to be hundred percent true, but my guess is he didn't know what a step up in basis was. So like my yeah, right. suspicion is he had this insanely low basis. And if I would have bought it at a million with a lump sum, yeah, he'd been facing, gosh, maybe 150 grand in taxes. Who knows? Right. So no. I didn't actually ask him specifically that question, but I did kind of pitch that, right? Like, okay, you can defer these taxes along the way. Um, plus, here's the thing is if I default for any reason, which I severely hope I don't, you get the property back. And yeah. chances are I've made some improvements, you know? So he was sure. like, okay, cool, let's do it. And I remember going to his lawyer's office to write this stuff up because I was like, all right, we don't need an agent. Let's just use an attorney. Do you have one that you trust? Went to the attorney's office and he was looking at me like, like I was a shyster, like I was taking this guy, you know, he's like 3%. What are you doing? You know? Yeah. And I was like, dude, 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 like, it's cool. I'm cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, eventually I think the lawyer understood, Hey, property is worth more than a million. You know, there is a little bit of like difference between there's some loan to value. Well, let's say was still decent. Right. So he, he was like, okay, whatever you guys want to do. So he closed the deal. And that's when I was like, all right, I understand now kind of how this works, like how to be a landlord, have, have some systems, that type of stuff. But at that point, we're totally out of money. Sure. But you got, you locked in, you know, 200 K of equity, which, and I, I cringe a little bit when I see syndicators uh, kind of crowing about, we closed a deal and it appraised 300 K higher than our purchase price. Like, all right, that's all fake, but totally. Yeah, but it, it it does go on the balance sheet and that helps you get more loans and grow and, and, you know, net worth and, there's something to it, but um, that had to be a pretty interesting experience for you. Like, hey, I just captured more equity on this one deal than, you know, almost like what the first house is entirely worth, right? Oh, yeah. And so, and I, first of all, I completely agree. Like, sometimes people's net worth is just like, you can throw any property value out there, right? It's like, yeah, it's silly. Okay, it might be worth that. And by the way, by the time it sells, that's not the amount of cash you're going to get. You know, it's like, Yep. I think it's kind of inflated. So I'm, I'm totally with you. That's why I think sometimes it's like, yeah, that's good. It's good for lending. I don't think it's worth like beating your chest over it. Right. Like, no, it's a good metric and good yeah. to track, but, um, and, and yeah, for your personal financial statement and for, you know, for those of you guys listening, the lenders on these multifamily deals are going to want to see you have a certain amount of net worth and liquidity. And so, man, in real estate, you could stack up net worth on paper pretty darn fast but uh don't let don't let that be the all-consuming number because 
it's fake. So, you know, just, just keep in mind what, you know, what it's good for and what it's not good for. But at the same time, getting a property at an incredible basis um, is a, is a huge win, especially going from a couple of houses. And then you kind of step into this next transaction, 3% down. That's like, that's, you and I both know that's crazy. So. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. It's funny that there's actually more to this story and then I'll finally be done with it. But like, I run, I run a, I run a meetup. And so I put about, I don't know, I, I never really tracked it all that well. I have a spreadsheet that tracks it fairly well. Let's say I put in around 25 grand of fixes, right? The one thing yeah. I forgot to mention was one of the units was offline. So it was just filled with his mom's stuff. So when we walked around there and he gave me the rent numbers, I was like, well, that unit just needs a little bit of work. And, and I've got another one to go here. Wow. So that's what we did. First thing we did was like, you know, even when I purchased it, he still didn't have his stuff out of there. And I was like, dude, this stuff's got to go. Like, I want to have some grace with you. And I really appreciate what you did for me, but we got to get this rental going. So he, he ended up having this kind of friendship, like any cool relationship. So yeah. uh, we got it cleaned up, got that sixth one finally rented. It was cash flowing pretty well. And uh, it was kind of a pain here and there, right? Like tenants and fixing up stuff and we yeah, didn't have any money. So I was managing it. You're yeah, managing I was fixing it. all stuff. Yeah. You're signing leases. You're the handyman. Yep. I'm, I'm the everything. Yeah. Everything. Man, and, that's so funny. My first multi was a six unit on the South side of San Antonio. It was a beat down, but it taught me so much. Man. Yeah. Would, it's so funny. Like <laughs> I wouldn't do it again, but I wouldn't uh, take it back. Yeah. Right? Like totally agree. That, like I, when people ask me, I'm like, yeah, I, I think that was a path that made me stronger way more grit, way more understanding of people, Thank all you. the stuff. Thank like you. I wouldn't necessarily go after that again, but I definitely, I cherish what I learned. It's a, it's a rite of passage. Um, yeah, and yeah. people that have skipped that again. Yeah. I don't really advocate people go buy tiny properties and run themselves. Uh, you know, the, the ROI on the capital can be like phenomenal. It's a small amount of capital the ROI in your time, probably terrible, but the learning experience. I don't know. Maybe I should be advocating that everybody go buy a, a crummy six unit and just like, <laughs> you got to check that box before you advance. You know, the- it's funny. I normally do tell people like, unless, unless they're just all in in syndication, right? Unless that's their, they, that's what they want to do. I will tell people it's worth buying one in your neighborhood and yeah. managing yourself. It's worth the experience and yep. it's not always a good one, but it's a learning experience. So, you know, I'm with you. Like it was awesome. So, so at this meetup, um, there was this guy who kind of came up to me and he was like, Hey, do you know anyone who's selling anything in town? And I was like, you know, I don't, but I've got the six plugs I'd let go for a good price for you. He's a friend of mine. He's like, man, I got some cash I need to place. So I'm like, yeah, I would actually sell it. And, uh, I knew it was worth more, but I was kind of like helping a buddy. So I sold it to him for 1.15. And the coolest part of it all, in my opinion, is I called the previous owner and I was like, Hey, you're holding this note for me. I don't want to screw you. I'm looking at selling it. Would you consider continuing that note for the next seller? Yeah. And he's like, let me meet the guy. Is he local? Yeah, let's do it. So it's super cool. The, that is cool. Because he yeah. didn't necessarily want to lump sum, right? That first seller. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he didn't want that. He wanted the, he wants the cash flow and he wants that like monthly check. And he's, and already, the buyer. he's already getting hooked on that, right? I mean, he's yeah. like seen all your payments over the over the time period, whatever. Totally. Yeah. So he... Uh, he agreed to it. He's like, sure, let's keep that same loan. Um, we'll just kind of move to the next guy. So um, I walked out of there 
So, you know, it's simple math. I made about 125 grand, let's say, in, in a little over a year is, is the time frame, which to me at the time was like an enormous amount of money. And that's a salary. That's a good salary. Totally. That was a year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I was like, all right, now we have a little bit of capital because I'd been learning syndication up to this point. Like I, I was into it. I'd already had kind of a brand. I knew I wanted to do it, but I was also in the back of my mind, like, dude, I don't have any money. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to pay attorneys. I don't know how I'm going to earn this money, like that yep. kind of thing. So now I'm like, all right, I've got some seed money to start this thing. So that was honestly like my wife still teases me, you know, same story. She's like, you should have never sold that. Like we, we probably couldn't be where we are now having not yeah. sold it. And so, yeah. you know, fast forward to where we are now, we syndicate deals and, and we have about 600 units now and, and growing super blessed. And it's not to say like, I don't really like the unit count thing either, but it does say that we've had some success and I've, I've just been really, really like blessed along the way with lots of good people and good luck. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love that story because it was really kind of the start of all right, this, this real estate thing does work done right. And it can be a super relationship based um, thing, which I really love. I love like that friendship and relationship stuff. Yeah, that's great. You helped that guy, you helped that your buddy that bought it, um, made some money along the way, learned a bunch of lessons. Love it. And, and I, it's so funny. It's six units. I, you know, like I said, that, that was my first multifamily deal. And I really wanted to prove it to myself. I was learning syndication too. At the time I'd done a bunch of houses, had a day job. They had buddies that were syndicating. They're telling me to go do the big stuff. And I was just like, I just cannot wrap my head around raising capital. Even though I borrowed money to um, like private money for houses. I was like, I just, I got to go do one myself. And, and that six unit was that gap bridge the gap between single family to, you know, 75 unit after that's like, I had to, I had to get that one out of the way. And it was, it was kind of the on-ramp for me. So when you were doing the, um, you're doing the meetups, you're doing multifamily, um, what got you interested in this syndication model and how were you, you know, how were you learning that and kind of growing the brand before you actually went out and started, you know, raising capital for these deals? Yeah. Awesome question. So I will, I will say this is a, this is a huge piece of luck. So the meetup that I run now, I actually took over. And so the person who's running it before me, his name is Jens Nielsen. And he's a cyclist. Yeah, yeah. So Jens is a great dude. He yeah. He's still my mentor to this day. Like good awesome. friend. We're partnering on a deal right now. And I can say that because it's closing tomorrow, right? So <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, yeah, exactly. the wire clears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great point. Whoops. Whoops. I mean, that's let's, right. this, this uh, plays after, but anyway, so um, you know, he was doing that and I went to his meetup just, just to like go to real estate meetup. I didn't know what he was doing, honestly. Like I'd known him through cycling a little bit. We maybe met, we didn't really know each other, but I went to the meetup and I was so hungry to learn. I walked up to him and I was like, how can I help you run this meetup? That's the first, basically things I said to him. I was like, thanks for putting this on. I want to you know, stop you there. You know, I, I, I meet so many people. Um, a lot of them are kind of employee mindset. We have a lot of employees. That's great. Uh, and then there's some kind of entrepreneurs and then aspiring entrepreneurs. But that, I feel like what I've seen over the years is that kind of leading with value. I think I learned this as a kid from Think and Grow Rich and reading that as a teenager where you go first, you know, you provide the value without any expectation of of anything. And so it's just kind of indicative of maybe your character or what you learned along the way. But it seems to be a common thread of successful people is like absolutely willing to go first 
providing the value. And that's just kind of a mindset. So I, I just wanted to point that out. I love that that's your opening line, right? Not, hey, yes, how can I get I, from you? Can right? you uh, yeah. can, can you take me out to dinner and show me everything? Can you make some introductions for me? Like busy people don't want to hear that, you know, but that people are going to be responsive to how can I help you? How can I take stuff off your plate? How can I add value? So just wanted to call that out. I think that's super important for people to hear that are trying to start out in any business. Um, just adopt that mindset of adding a ton of value first with nothing, no expectation in return. And eventually those seeds are going to, are going to grow. Oh, so. completely agree. I'm, I'm so glad you stopped me there. Cause that is honestly like the biggest piece of advice you can give pretty much anyone who wants to learn anything like yep. from somebody <laughs> is start with the value. And here's, the, here's the key to it is see where, like you have to take the time to see where you can actually add value. Cause if you go to someone, like if someone walked up to Devin and was like, Hey, Devin, how can I help you? Like that question alone is a little bit annoying, honestly. It's like, well, I don't know, man. I don't know your skill set. You know, I don't know. Like it's, it's annoying yeah, in itself. True. But if you say, Hey, I see you have this pinch point or I see you have this thing that takes some work or whatever. Here's how I can help you. You know, that would be that would that would have been a better way for me to approach him. Would just be like, "Hey, I see that this meetup takes a lot of time. I can help you promote it. I can help you put it on. I can help signups. You know, if I would have had even a little bit better plan of helping him, that would have even been one step above. So that that's such a cool thing too. And I've learned, you know, you see that's how Go Abundance people seem to be in general. Yep. You know, I don't necessarily. I don't know if you want to pitch Go Abundance here, but that's one cool thing about the group I love so much is you see a lot of people just truly adding value with no expectation of return. Yeah, know? absolutely. And we can definitely talk about go abundance. I've been, um, I've been in go abundance since 2017. Um, man, I'll just kind of tell my story real briefly. I remember reading Brandon Turner's article in Forbes and reading about this group of this men's group that you had to be a millionaire to be in. And I, I just remember this is in 2017. I remember thinking, Man, someday it like lit me up. I'm going to be in that group. I'm busting my tail on real estate. I want to go full time. I've got a job and kids. And and uh, and I remember thinking, I'm going to freaking be in that group someday. And then that morning I go and I'd never actually calculated my net worth, but I've been buying all these houses. And I was like, holy smokes, man, I'm a net worth millionaire, which we were kind of poking fun at earlier. It's not, it's, yeah. just, it's just net worth, but at the time, that was like, oh my, it was this huge revelation. I joined GoBundance, been in since 2017. And yeah, there's just all the guys in there. There's just this common thread of um, all, all, all that stuff, you know, providing value first, seeking excellence in all these pillars of our life. So yeah, I mean, if you're listening, go go check out GoBundance for sure. If you're, you know, uh, if you're a, a business owner, entrepreneur or, or whatever, just an awesome group of guys. So happy to talk about that to Oh, totally. And I do want to, you know, kind of pitch the Emerge group too. So like Jamie Gruber's okay. running that. So like, if you're not yep. a millionaire yet, that doesn't mean they like exclude you, right? There's a way, there's a path in as well. Yep. But I, th I thought this was so funny. It's the same person connecting me. So I met Brandon Turner in, in Dallas at a uh, Michael Blanc event. <clears throat> so yep. this is pretty like serendipitous again. Sometimes I just have some luck. I think like I had, I knew he was speaking. I'd seen him kind of around the hotel, whatever. Like, I don't want to be that guy bugging him. Um, right. Cause you know, he's pretty, like we'll say quote unquote famous at least yeah in the space got a ton, yeah. ton of visibility sure totally so like i'm literally going to get a coffee and he and and ryan murdoch like step in front of me in the coffee line it was like perfect timing step right in front of me and i was kind of like 
hey man i just want to say thanks for what you do on your podcast like, i'm a big fan um wait did they like cut you off in the line i wish they would have i wish because that, that would have been a better story if he just like okay. cut me well, like what the funny. hell man i was hey, buddy <laughs> no it was actually like they were truly in front of me I, that that would have been a funnier story uh unfortunately not but yeah so i got to talk about a little bit of it and i was, and I was like i don't want to be like you know fan guy but i'm, I'm a big fan and yeah. thanks for what you're doing sure and like oh it's cool man that's super cool he's like what do you do I was like, well, you know, I'm a starting syndicator and I've done a few deals now and, and, uh, got this podcast and he's like, he's like, don't tell anyone, but I'll be in your podcast. And here's my assistance email. It was like a moment of, I was like, did that just happen? Just because like, he was feeling good. I, I mean, guess so. I, don't, I was like, cool. yeah, he's getting coffee. And I was like, sweet dude. So sure enough, like I ran to my hotel room, like email his assistant. I'm like, Brandon said, you know, my podcast, no take backs, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, <laughs> book it now. Exactly. So, yeah. So anyway, I had met him and then, you know, along that, there was like three more days of the conference and I kept bumping into him here and there. And, and, uh, I finally just came out and asked, and I was like, Hey, I've heard about, I've heard you mention abundance. I'm just gonna ask you point blank between me and you, how is it? And he's like, dude, it's like anything you get out what you put in, but it's really solid. That was kind of his answer. That's I was fair. like, I'm in. So essentially like during the conference on the computer, I, uh, you know, I applied. And what's funny is like 15 minutes later, Jamie called me. Wow. And I was like, whoa, dude, this is really good. I don't know if he's still, he's probably a little stretched thin. He, he lives overseas now too. So probably, <laughs> probably yeah. less uh, responsive than he was back then. But anyway, he's like, yeah, man, I kind of went through your profile and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, do I have to like prove my net worth or anything? He's like, nah, you're, you, you know, it's pretty clear. You got some stuff going on. Like you're in, it was super cool. Like it was, really mellow. Cause I kind of expected this like interview process or something. And, and sure. they're going to do that now. I don't know. Yeah. It's but that's it's so funny. Goodness. Like, like Brandon was kind of my end to go buttons as well. And for no better reason than just a true person to person. Hey, how is it? You know? Yeah. And I think that underscores uh, the importance of putting yourself in these situations where you're, you don't know the ROI of an event uh, or, you know, putting your paying money to, get in a room or whatever. You just don't know what's going to happen, but uh, you know, what's not going to happen if you don't do it, you know, nothing. So yeah, just putting yourself in those situations, especially early on building kind of any business um, being super intentional about your, your peer group and who you're surrounding yourself with. I think, I mean, if I look back on my kind of entrepreneurial career, it, that's the number one thing by a mile is intentionally putting myself around um kind of people that I want to end up like, and just oh, yeah. through osmosis stuff just happens. I mean, it's almost, it's almost astonishing when you think about some of the, some of the stuff that's come out of that. It's so funny. I mean, if you actually think back on those moments, it's, it's completely true. I mean, yes, it costs money to go to events. What's funny is it doesn't always have to, right? Go to a local meetup, go right. to a meetup in San Antonio. They have great meetups there. You guys are like, I, I kind of wish I lived in a bigger city sometimes for that reason. It's like, there's some really cool like-minded people putting together free events. Yep. Just go, go and, and listen, go and ask questions, you know, um, put your, give yourself the time to be in that room. So I, I love what you just said. It's insanely valuable what comes out of it. And you can't really describe why there wasn't like someone who said at some Michael Blanc event, here's how you syndicate. Yeah. Here's how you make money. Like it doesn't work like that, but it's, nope. it's the weird kind of little things like that. Like talking to Brandon out of the blue in a coffee line or listening to a speaker say, Hey, here's how I did it. You're like, Oh, that's how I can do it too. You know, you just like, 
There's that a few is so times. true. Yeah, I, I remember David Osborne saying something on stage, which this is a number of years ago. And da- David Osborne's one of the founders of, of Cobundance and, uh, you know, a guy I really look up to. And he said something on stage, which in retrospect is like, duh, right? But at the time, I was just like the right time and the right stage of me building my company. And I think the credibility of it coming from his mouth, I mean, any any other bozo could have said it, but just hearing it, it's like changed my life, right? I and mean, it sounds kind of silly, but it's these confluence of, you know, where I was in my building my business, the credibility of this guy, the fact that I had a personal relationship with it and hearing it, it's like a lightning bolt. Um, and that, that stuff, you just, you have to expose yourself to the opportunity for those things to happen. Even though you, I didn't know that was going to happen. I don't know. You know, you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know what partnerships are going to come out or what paths it's going to send you down, but you got to got to put yourself in the environment first and just keep, keep playing those odds. Right. Completely agree. Yeah. It's worth, it's worth every penny. Yeah. I mean, so completely agree. So kind of, you know, fast forwarding now, I mean, what I've done now is quit my engineering, of course, you know, I, I do some around town, I do some septic works and stuff like that. But kind of the end of the story now is full on syndication mode. And, and that's what I do full time. And truthfully, like, I, I have two young boys, six year old and three year old. And yeah, we love, we love to travel and spend time together. And that's kind of like my latest passion is just seeing places and hanging out with them. It's the best, man. There's yeah. kind of a window of of doing that stuff. Our kids are eight, eleven, and fourteen, and it's oh, like nice. um, we talk about. All right, man. I got four years left with our oldest, and ten, nine with our youngest. So here's this finite time, man. Let's travel. Let's just like load up those memories and go do cool stuff. Oh, um, it's the coolest, yeah. It's so important. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the ability to do that is is. Uh, I think that's what drives a lot of us that have families, right? It's like, yep, money's good and business is good, but it's it's to kind of have the freedom. I think for me, that's that's the number number one thing. Yeah, people uh, ask you like, what's you know, if someone asked me what's the most valuable thing, I would just say time. Like, I'm happy to make I'm happy to make less money by a long margin if I yep. have more time. You know, yep. that's the truth. I think some people say that and really love the grind and really love money, and there's no problem with that if that's your thing like i'm not judging whatsoever but i will say for me personally truly the most valuable thing is time and so uh you're really honing in on your why and really being clear and honest with yourself what are you doing this for why are you working you know two jobs essentially is what a lot of us were doing for a few years ultimately the point was time for me and again really blessed to to say now i have more time and i don't know about more money but you know, enough cash flow, I'll say that you can kind of travel and do some stuff that I didn't used to be able to do. Right. Yeah. That's the dream. That's the dream right there. I mean, that's why we grind for a few years, kind of get the rocket ship off the ground and then, and then uh, be able to do stuff like that, especially, man, you know, with, with young kids where you kind of got this window to, to, to capitalize on it. Um, I often wonder, it's like when the kids are out of the house, if I'm going to just go crazy, like building businesses, cause I got time and money and, kind of restless and I might, you know, you I probably will. I My suspicion work. is you probably will. <laughs> I might go work 12 hour days and just go crazy, you know, when the kids are gone. But for now I'm very intentional to, to not be doing that and to, uh, to make sure we're locking in, you know, a bunch of, bunch of good memories. Um, so the, the portfolio now, is it Colorado? Is it na- national, you know, and, and then also like, what are you looking at, um, 
we're talking like mid 2023 right now. So, you know, what are you looking at for the next year, a couple of years for the business? Yeah, good question. So we, you know, um, you know how you kind of learn along the way, right? Like sure, sure. you had I had I done it over again for people listening, I probably would have like chosen two markets and just hammer those markets, like fly there quarterly at least. And talk two, to every just like there. for redundancy or you know, some more at bats at deals, or what's kind of the thought process there? Yeah, I mean, I guess you could I guess you could make the argument for one, right? Like a good friend of mine, they focus on one market and they just yep. crush. And yep. So that would be that would be a good strategy too. But for us, I mean, I kind of think two markets. Yeah, for your what you're saying is basically like a little bit of diversification. Sure. Um, yeah, probably more at bats because early on, especially. I mean, for the first year, honestly, you're you're seeing kind of the dregs. Let's just be honest. Like the brokers hold the cards in this business. They're testing you. So yeah, they're like, can you close a deal that's like just okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what's, I wouldn't but dare show this to like, my real clients, but here you go, newbie. See what you got. Totally. Yeah. yeah, that's so. I mean, for everyone listening, syndication is a grind, and I always say that. Like, yeah. it is not a get-rich-quick scheme by any stretch, and yep. it does take you having to stay at your day job. Like, you can't just replace your income in six months. You just can't. I don't care what the gurus say. Yep. Um, you could have some cash flow. You might have a bigger net worth, but you're not going to replace your your day job. It's a process, um, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, our, our favorite markets, I'll say, are Tulsa and Arkansas, like sort of broadly, like Fort Smith and, and Little Rock. So yep. we do own, of course, yeah, some quite a bit in Tulsa, some in Little Rock. Those are where we kind of focus. Um, and then we've done some like other stuff throughout Texas, right? So I told you one in San Antonio, on yep. some in Lubbock. Um, and, and that's really where our focus is. Now, what we've also done is, uh, partnered with Yens on this most recent deal. And those guys focus in Cleveland. I don't want to talk too much about that deal, but I feel confident it'll be closed by then. So it's it's okay. But that that's kind of another thing is partnering with people. And that's kind of how the business can grow a little bit. Because no we could bring some things that they weren't, you know, they just need a little bit. Again, it's like adding value, right? Like our, I think our investor communications is really solid. So they were like, can you guys come alongside us, help with our investor communication team, raise a little capital and you know, be part of this process. And so that was kind of cool too, to, to provide some value in a sense and enter into a new market, but in a perfect world. Yeah. I mean, Tulsa and Arkansas would be kind of our main zones. And, and I will say the, the main reason why is because our managers are rock solid there. You know, yep. we just, I was going to ask, it's not like you hear those markets on everybody's top 10 or whatever, but um, it's all, I mean, any business is all about the people and if 100%. you're not, good teams, then that's, that's the make or break factor. Oh yeah. And I, I would say probably the, I don't say most important, but probably most important is your, is your manager. Your managing team is there. They're every day that they're, they're the ones interacting with tenants. They're the one taking the leases. They're everything. Right. Yeah. So if they're doing a, a poor job, the property's going to suffer. If they're doing a great job, they might knock it out of the park. They might way over succeed you like your wildest dreams. Right. So like, we love, love, love our manager in Tulsa. And the same goes for Arkansas. We've just happened to find these two. And it's funny, they're both like women owned businesses. They're just amazing at what they do. Yeah. And it's, and so like some people are just, built for it, right? You meet some totally. of these people, they're like, God, like, you really got this in your bones. Oh, totally. That's, and that's how, that's how they are. I mean, they love the stuff and all the reporting's amazing. They care about people because that's really our thing. Like our motto is people first. Like yeah. we care about the tenants. We want to have really cool, you know, tenant like parties and we like give 
you know, school supplies to kids and just all this stuff to try and build a community rather than view it as like a tenant, like cash flow interaction. It's like, this is your home. Let's build a place where you can be like proud to live. And, you know, the off, like the sort of side bonus of it is that we're making money because we're making this property nicer, you know? So yep. that's kind of our motto. So ultimately, yeah, those are kind of be the two markets. And if I had to do it over again, that's honestly what I'd do. I would just go to Arkansas and Tulsa and just hammer the brokers there. Right. That's with a ton of hindsight benefiting you. Right. But you know, and people, you've got the team, all that, but I get it. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. It's kind of like the sixplex, you yep. know, like I, I, it was painful. Like the long nights. And I mean, I have lots of stories A boiler broke around <laughs> Christmas, like all the stuff, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. it's painful, but yep. now I know. And so of course, like without going through it, I wouldn't, I would never know what I know now. And that's just, so that's why maybe like a little bit of audience feedback here is perhaps take the time to focus on one or two, make sure the manager is amazing. If so, hammer that market. I mean, really hit the brokers hard in a, in a real way. Like we want to be, you want to actually create a relationship, not just sure. like, Hey, give me your best deals, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's like any other, any other relationship takes time to, to, uh, to nurture and grow that. And then once it, once it does, like anything else, it's this compounding effect where, I mean, at some point, if you're, if you're building it, the fish are kind of jumping in the boat, right? So it's unfair business and the repeat folks that do well get, uh, get the look at the deals. And um, that's, that's what you want to position yourself as. Oh, yeah. And so to kind of answer the, answer your questions. Yeah, we're growing. Um, yeah. We've created some partnerships now where. Like, okay, I'll, I'll give the story. It's like, there's a, there was a deal in prior Oklahoma and we got second place on it. And I'd had this couple on my podcast, maybe like six months before. And I, after the deal closed, I realized I was them. So I called them and I was like, we were freaking bidding against each other. You know, like <laughs> they didn't know. I didn't know the broker right. did a good job. You know, in fairness, Definitely. he did his job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, if you guys ever get a deal like that, let's just communicate. There's no need to outbid each other. Let's just partner. And yeah. I was literally with them in Tulsa last weekend and that's what we're doing is like, we're probably the two most, not, not necessarily, but like the two most active syndicators in the, in that city. And we're like, if either one of us gets a deal, let's just partner on it. It was like done. That's freaking perfect. Now we can combine efforts and go. And that's another lesson is like, you're going to go much further faster with, with joining up rather than competing. Cause we just like freaking bit each other up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, th and now you got an unfair advantage, right? It was two yeah. of the, it was two of the, most um, dominant groups. And now it's, it's this consolidation. So that's, that's even better. Yeah. I mean, you know, you want to make sure your, your values align. It's been, it's been a couple of years running that I've known them. So, yep. but yeah, to your point, that's just another, another way of thinking is instead of competing, maybe call out the, your highest competitor and see if there's a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. What, uh, tell me about the podcast. What, you know, what prompted that? How, how long you've been doing it? What's the focus? All that good stuff. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's been about two years now going, it's called uh, the real estate mindset. Um, so what prompted it was like, like, I feel like there's a lot of informational stuff out there and now there's, you know, thousands of them, but there was, I felt like at the time I couldn't find anything like specific about mindset and, now that I know what I know, there's a bunch out there, but I was like, okay, are there a syndication show that talks about what is the mindset behind this? Right. So that was like the vision of the podcast. Yeah. It was like, sure. We can talk real estate all day. I'm happy to talk numbers. I'm an engineer. I love the nerd stuff, but I think more importantly is 
what was your mindset? What was like the things going through your brain that helped you su- like succeed essentially? And so that's, that's kind of the, the purpose of the show. It's kind of like today. It's kind of like today's podcast is like really organic talking, real conversations with somebody. What are the tips and tricks? But more importantly, like what was your mindset to get there? You know, what did you have to do? And the truth is a lot of it is consistency, but there are some things that people do and say that every episode I'm like, whoa, that is, that's good. You know, that's really solid. So I really love podcasting. Yeah, I love it. Um, you guys publishing how often? Weekly, yeah, it comes out every Monday. Cool. Um, so yeah, check it out if you're listening. And Devin, I'm just going to ask you right now. See, I'm going to put you on the spot. You want to be on the show? I'll reach out for an invite. Let's do it, man. All right. I'd, I'd love to. Um, Can't say no in front of an audience, right? It's perfect. No, I was I was actually planning to ask you after we after we got off air here. So yes. I'd, I'd love to come on the pod. Um, I'll throw something back at you. And this, you know, every time I, I, I ask this, I know it's like a 3% chance of happening. But we got the studio set up in San Antonio you know, and I, and I, I love, I love the zoom podcast. Cause you can connect, you know, you can book all these guests, but we have actually a really nice studio set up for in-person podcasts with the, you know, video switching and all this stuff. So if it coincides with uh, one of your visits, to your San Antonio properties and you come to the studio and sit down. Awesome. Um, or yes, man, I'm all if in. you, you know, if we, I could be on your podcast, just on a zoom just to get one done. But if, you know, you're in San Antonio in six months, want to come do it in the studio i'm trying to figure out how to get more people here in the in the studio obviously the online stuff's easier but yeah totally i love podcasts yeah, that'd be cool was, uh, that's like a guest recording in your studio that'd be awesome yeah sure yeah. and then we just give you the file and here you go you know maybe we change the backgrounds you know so it didn't look like you were in my studio I, we'd do whatever i don't but, care um, <laughs> i think it'd be awesome but like this right. is a guest studio it's Super yeah. Cool. I mean, yeah. we got all the gear set up. Um, we do some in-person stuff, but it's just obviously harder. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually thinking about, you know, reaching out to some San Antonio entrepreneurs that aren't necessarily, you know, multifamily syndicators or real estate guys and gals, but just people that have built cool businesses. So I can sit, you know, face to face and kind of do that. But yeah, I love podcasting. It, 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 it I'll say forces, but kind of, exposes me to new people and new ways of thinking on a regular basis that probably wouldn't happen otherwise. And that's, that's the reason I do it. It's just awesome way to get, um, I feel, feel like I stay fresh mentally doing it and, and learning about what people are doing. Yeah, that, that is hundred percent true. But the other thing too, is like you get on someone's calendar that you maybe wouldn't also like yeah. wouldn't otherwise get on. And not only that's that, funny. but like, you're like, yeah. I get to ask you pointed questions. I want to know about you. And learn from you. It's it's kind of like we were talking about with like putting yourself in the room. It's like never in a million years, Brandon Turner give me an hour of his time. But oh, I'm like, dude, hey, you said hey. you'd be on my podcast. He came on yeah. the show. I'm like, I'm gonna ask you the questions I want to know. And it was amazing, man. Like that's that's so cool to have have time with someone like yourself. Like for me to get an hour on your calendar would be kind of a pain. Like, to who is this guy? I don't want to talk to you for an hour. But like, if you can have a podcast. I'm providing a little value back to that, right? Like listeners are going to hear about you. Yep. We also like get to learn from each other, but it's just like a, it's just like a time where I get to hammer you with questions <laughs> and it's, you would have yeah. a hard time otherwise doing that. You know, uh, absolutely. There's a, there's a billionaire here in town that um, I, I have a relationship with, but I asked him to come on the podcast and he's like, sure. Sounds good. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. If I asked him for an hour meeting in his office, like that'd be a hard, a hard. Yeah. Meeting. Like you want to go to lunch? He'd be like, no, no, I don't. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know about you. I don't want to, I don't want maybe he would for you, but for me, yeah. if I was like, dude, you want to go to lunch? I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, want to be on my podcast? Oh yeah. I can, I can squeeze that in. It's so funny. And to be fair in his case, I don't think he's gaining anything from being on my podcast, but it's true in so many other cases where like, Hey man, can I, you know, can I get an hour of consulting from you, you know, for free in the middle of your work day? It's like, no, you can't come on the pod. Sure. It's like, Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's such a cool, I kind of marvel too at the technology, right? We've, we've got all this like, you know, crazy tech in this world we live in. And what's, what people are compelled by and drawn to is like a super simple audio file. That's I know. basic well, tech. I, I will say and I'm the same way, man. Like people I love podcasts. Yes. Like when I'm driving, yeah. I'm like, they're on a podcast. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I was explaining uh, Joe Rogan to my kid and he's like, my 11 year old, he's like three, three and a half hour. That, that sounds really boring, dad. I was like, it does. It's like insanely addicting. I, I think maybe it goes back to just kind of our, you know, it's baked in our DNA to sit around in the, in the tribe and share stories. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're, we're gravitating back to anyway. So that's cool, man. I, I'm congrats on the podcast. Love to, love to come on. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll set that up. Well, let's, let's wrap it up, man. If somebody wants to connect with you, learn about what you guys are doing learn about, you know, deals you're putting together, all that good stuff. You got the podcast. Is there, you know, website we could send people to or another, another avenue there? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me pitch it. It's wildoakcapital.com. Um, so our wild oak team is again, kind of growing. So yeah, if you're interested in, in passive investing, I'd love to like kind of talk with you. We only do 506B stuff. I mean, I love the relationship piece of it. So yeah. Maybe one day I'll do a, a C and kind of blast it out there. But for now, you know, I'd like to get to know you first. So yeah, wildoakcapital.com. If you send an email, I'm really, really good at responding. So it'll be me responding. So I'd love to connect with audience for sure. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes. If you're listening, you can just kind of scroll down and, and click through and hit the website there um, and check that out. So yeah, Eric, man, really appreciate you sharing your story a, you know, very similar journey to mine. And I, and I love talking shop with people that have, have gone out there and done it. So, you know, kudos to, to you for doing all that. And, um, yeah, man, look forward to coming on your podcast here before too long. Cool. Devin. Yeah. This has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you having me on. This is, uh, again, my honor. Thanks. Yeah, no, my pleasure. All right, man. We'll catch up soon. All righty. See you. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.